gents. What's good, people? It's Reg. It's Stone. And we are out here, you know, basking in the sun, beaches of Ibiza, water lapping at our toes, you know what I'm saying? Hanging out with glorious white women of both kinds. You know what I'm saying? You out there? <laughs> we sniffers and smokers. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Realistically, though, we are both at home huddled in front of our air conditioners <laughs> in sheer terror <laughs> at global warming. Uh, fuck you, boomers. This sucks. And uh, yeah, I went off this planet. The earth is ghetto and I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. What the hell? It, it, it was the warmest temperature on record last month. Like by mile. And they're like, oh, August is probably going to be warmer. And I'm like, oh, well, th- yeah, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> it's, it was 130 in Phoenix, man. Apparently, you know, you could go out there. You know, I heard Middle East was hitting 150, apparently, or like 140, 150s. I, like, I mean, like, how do you even, like, survive? Like, what if, I don't even know what that's like. Like, I, I have no idea what I would do with 130 degrees other than bake. Like, like you know, it's like fucking Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, it's like it's you crazy. just get crispy yeah, out here. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that's, that's nothing. Maybe it's, it's like maybe I'll put some dry rub on me or something. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out like that. You know, at least I smell nice. <laughs> no, no, no decay smell. That's a nice little barbecue. <laughs> Ooh. And on that morbid note. <laughs> Oh Lord, um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's sometimes it feels kind of sad in general. Sometimes I feel like it's a sad podcast, uh, just because there's a lot of been a lot of death. I think we all kind of know that. The last couple of years have been tough. Um, this one, I'll say, I'm not gonna say it was a good thing per se. Obviously, I would never say that, but I am kind of happy to kind of hear a lot of the fucking people kind of discussing her impact. She's an artist that was very big for a period of time, but kind of I want to say fell off, but kind of fell out of the public like eye. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, um, died at 56 years old. Um, the last couple of years I heard about her was more like issues, like uh, basically, you know, she's somebody who struggled with mental health issues for a long time, period of her yeah. life. I know it was a period of time a couple of years ago where she was quote unquote missing, but she was found. Um, I mean, here's the thing, right? It's very easy. Hit song, white woman, singer, very straightforward. We could kind of do a quick like, yeah, you know, good, nothing compared to you, Prince song. But uh, the irony of it for me is I do remember Sinead O'Connor, but not for those things. I remember her with a shaved like head with Public Enemy. I remember her fucking doing songs with MC Lights. I remember her, obviously she worked with Prince. She's somebody though, even though she was a white woman, had no issue pointing out patriarchy. The irony of it, if you really think about it, is that if we took like 1988 Sinead O'Connor and dropped her in 2023, she would be like a Gen Z person. <laughs> <laughs> Like literally like down to the politics, the hairstyle, everything. And the thing is, I think that what sucks about, you know, the way misogyny is, is I'm be that bitch was crazy. The whole story was that bitch was crazy. That bitch shaved the head, that bitch is crazy. Da-da-da, crazy. And the thing is she is somebody suffering with mental illness, but the irony is a lot of the things she was speaking in the eighties and in the nineties, it was speaking truth to power. There was nothing crazy about what she was saying. A lot of her politics were the right politics. Like Tama showed us this. 
and it's very interesting to kind of see like again one i love the big outpouring of people kind of recognizing who she was and also the idea of where like yo this person was on the very ground level and what i like about that also is that the, the ideas of generally you always hear that you know i've learned i'm somebody who's learned to separate my art from my artist but I always hear about the idea of where you can't judge motherfuckers because back day, back in the day, shit was different. Back in the day, shit was yeah. different. And it was, but this was one motherfucker who was on some like, nah, a lot of this shit is wrong. Racism is fucking wrong. Y'all niggas is racist. Y'all niggas is sexist. And she spoke truth to power. And I think it was a little bit unfortunate that, you know, we didn't see that at the time and she suffered because of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's a really, really unfortunate case, right? And And, you know, one of the things that you know when you speak against you know the patriarchy um you know they have the power to silence you and i feel like like she got silenced for for a majority of her career you know we're talking about i don't know i mean like nothing compares to you came out in 1990 right so you're talking about like 32 years um, and, you know, I, I just kind of feel like she's always been in the background. People always like, you know, recognize her and things like that. But um, I, you know, from what I hear, like it was just like, you know, once the Pope thing happened, it was like done. And again, like like in 2023, <laughs> 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 you know, like that's just an average Tuesday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like real talk but you know back then it was a huge thing and the, the fact that it happened live she got banned from Saturday Night Live and like blah blah and you know all these people like you know tried to sue her like it was just like super crazy um and I think I don't know it, it just kind of felt like the industry and culture like you know just tried to destroy her and you know, I'm not saying that, you know, the mental illness and things like that, um, like were directly caused by some of those, those things, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, it exacerbated of, it. Agreed. yeah, like a lot of the things that she had to go through, I think were, or just like a, as a result of, um, you know, a lot of the trauma basically that she had to go through with some of this stuff. Um, and you know, even though that she said, like she's, she's like, you know, that's one of the best things that she did. She stood by the whole, like, you know, ripping up the Pope picture and, you know, it, you know, I think on part on a level, part of that level for her too, she said, was just like, I didn't want to really be a pop star. I'm not here being a pop star. So I'm glad I'm not a pop star anymore, but also too, they take your bag, you know, death threats, like things like that. So um, I don't know. It's just been a really tragic life for her. Her son committed suicide uh, last year as well. Um, you know, she's had some mental health issues and things like that. Um, I don't know. It's just, a, just just been really tragic. And again, it's like another thing where she should have gotten her flowers like 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, to be like recognized, like video Vanguard awards, like things like that. Um, and we're doing it now, but, you know, obviously I, th- I think, you know, even while w- once we realized like all the things that she was doing were actually right and speaking truth to power is okay. I don't think we were, you know, we're able to do that as a culture. So, um, I, I really kind of feel like, you know, she, it's a, just another sad case. Right. And she was just one person that was just truly ahead of her time. Yeah, no. And, and, it, and it's interesting because, you know, 
a lot of the times I feel like the music industry tends to be the whipping boy of the of the conservative idea, whereas it's the idea, you know, like wet ass pussy and all this other stuff. Whereas it's like these rock guys are being these rap guys, you know, these musicians are being, you know, pushing the paradigm and doing X Y Z. And I think it's kind of forgotten how very almost conservative the industry is. Yeah. Whereas like yeah, you know. You definitely have a lot of sexualization, but when have you not have sexualization of women to the extreme? Just because, you know, just because, you know, the idea of where fucking, you know, oh, you know, they're selling it as female empowerment. You know, this is the same industry where I remember distinctly, you know, we, we talk about Britney now, about her conservatorship at XYZ and, you know, and Timberlake being XYZ. But I do also remember being a young kid and I remember Britney Spears in the cover of Rolling Stone. 15 looking fucking mad jail bait you know literally like you could have taken the picture it's all like come hither looks she's in the bed she's wearing like fucking you know like 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 tight panties and all the other stuff and it's like you can't you know and with the irony of that is to a certain extent that was seen as acceptable even though you know it's still fucking sex selling sex and the thing is i think people kind of forget that even though on paper it's 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 um it's aggressive on paper it's 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 transgressive i wanted to say at the end of the day, it's still the same roles. Like, you know, the 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 girl, the pop star talking about, you know, queerness for male eyes versus the blonde bimbo in the Budweiser commercial of the Clydesdales are the same exact thing. Just because one looks like it might on paper look to be a little bit more fucking, you know, progressive doesn't mean shit because ultimately it's still doing things for specific audiences for specific things. And that's what kind of sucks. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, in hindsight, looking at what she did, even even being a white woman for shaved head was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. something where in the 80s where it was all about looks and shit. And that's the thing is the idea of where it feels like she kind of died a lot for her beliefs. And like I said, what sucks about it, her beliefs aren't were not really that crazy. Her beliefs were not really out there. Like, you know, there were already rumors about fucking the child molestation in fucking the 80s. Like, this is not anything new. Like, a lot of the things she stood up for, I think, is the fact of where it was a white woman doing it in a way, you know, to who also, again, was allowing herself to a certain extent, not sorry, blackness as far as, you know, doing black music, capital B. But again, she was somebody where I was like, rap music is cool. This is the shit that's happened. This is a new punk. Hanging out with young, a bunch of young rappers. Amstead was talking about it. So she's the first real, like, artist, artist, capital A, who was like, yo, hop on this remix. You know what I'm saying? It's the idea of where she was somebody who, like I said, her politics are not crazy. Her politics are not extreme. Her politics are common sense that she kind of paid for it. And going back to your point, I wished, I wish that during these last couple of years, there was way for it to gotten the flowers. I, I've seen some reevaluation of some artists who are unfairly maligned, but I still think we have to kind of go a long way. And like I said, it's, I don't know how she was vocally, but you know, I, I would definitely hear, like, I would definitely love to see her talk of interview and talk about those at that, those, that era. She was on the ground level for a lot of crazy shit. This motherfucker worked with Prince and was hanging out with public enemy. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's, that's a crazy yeah. ass combination. So she has lived a crazy life. So it's like, it would be nice to kind of see like, you know, something along those lines of it being kind of in memoriam type stuff. That said, I do like the fact of where it's not like she's somebody who kind of disappeared and it was a blip and it's kind of like a, a scandalous article like TMZ. It's somebody who's just like, oh yeah, no, she was really, really dope. She's going to be missed. So, you know, I'm, I'm at least happy we kind of got that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and I think like your points around her her connection to hip hop culture and black culture are really interesting, you know, and, and yeah, I, it's it's funny too because I you know that that was an era where, I mean 
I don't know. Like, like I'm trying to think of other like white artists who kind of like were hanging out with hip hop dudes, but it wasn't a lot, right? Like, like, no. like, like, like music was very segregated <laughs> during that yes. time, you know, and especially at that kind of corporate music level, you know, like you weren't really like putting like rappers singing hooks <laughs> on your track if you were a white pop yeah. artist, you know. Um, like, like I, I could only think of like Blondie and maybe like, like even like Madonna, but even that, not even like as deep as I don't think Madonna had like rappers on her tracks until like I don't know, but like it just wasn't a thing until, and now it's just like you know like I don't you have Uzi Vert doing like <laughs> Paramore, you know. <laughs> Ariana Grande doing trap flows, talking about she's out here slicking that white. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's just like it's just it's just it was, it was such a crazy thing, like to to embrace that, especially like Public Enemy, right? Um, and still be still, you know, I don't know, be a pop star, right? So I don't know, like I, like I said, just ahead of her time, and you know, now she's getting her flowers. Definitely, I I really hope that she finds some peace. Um, but yeah, like we, we, we gotta like really do better as a culture, um, agreed. while agreed, our, agreed. our heroes are still alive. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And then, uh, another unfortunate passing, um, DJ Dion, um, DJ Dion, Chicago DJ. But the most important thing of DJ Dion is that he was very, very important with ghetto tech. So it feels like every couple of years, somebody discovers ass and titties, be that bitch for bats. <laughs> And then he was a, a seminal kind of, and, and I, we'll, we'll see it again, honestly, because like one of my big records is, uh, uh, I've enjoyed recently, it's called a group called High Tech. And then they have a similar vibe, a little bit more like young nigga shit, but it's still a similar vibe. And then long story short, he passed. Uh, this is a dude that was actively DJing. This is a dude that was actively still doing work. So it's like a little bit, you know, it's not like he was somebody like chilling in the cut somewhere. This was a guy who was still um, like influencing the culture. There's a boiler room from like a couple of years ago, still flying around. That was a dope set. You know, he, he was relatively young, you know, looks like, you know, I know he was 29 years in the producing game, but he looks like maybe he's 50. Like, to me, he looks like more like, you know, like mid-40s. Yeah, so, you know, ultimately, you know, once again, I was kind of happy to hear the fucking outpourings of it because, you know, DJ Dion is not necessarily a household name per se. But then, you know, it goes back to the big thing where you're losing a lot of the foundational people who are here, you know. there's I, I remember what I didn't like. Well, I can say I didn't like. But I remember after he passed, I was like, oh, shit, let me go to some DJ Dion tracks. And I go in there and I type in DJ Dion into fucking Spotify. And it's basically a whole bunch of, like, white artists that have remixed his, his art over the years. Again, nothing wrong with that. But it's the idea of where, damn, it's like, even though I want to hear some of his original shit, it still has this weird layer of, like, sheet on top of it where for me to kind of get the real real, it's, it's still gatekept. It's still people making money off that that aren't the originators of it. So I kind of wanted to shout him out, you know, I, yeah, like I said, it, it's, I, I, I haven't heard a ghetto tech. I was hoping I'd, I'd run into some way, some Instagram post about, you know, maybe like some, some hipster spot in Brooklyn and we're going to do a little bit of an ode and I haven't really seen that. I have seen some mixes kind of flying around on the internet, which I'm going to give some love to, but yeah, no, this is, this is a dude that was very important. And again, cause this is Lee tour. Like this was a dude that was out there, like, you know, similar to your call Craig's where in a genre that's very, 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 very fucking white as far as presenting, he was out there holding it down, kind of helping people remind, like, no, this was black ass, hood ass shit, hence the ghetto tech. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's really interesting too, just because, um, you know, we're we're in this really interesting revival of house music, and now it's kind of going, you know, now with like the the Jersey Club, like really kind of taking off. Um, you know, there's a lot of eyes on black house music, which is you know from you know the pop mainstream, like whatever, um, which is great. You know, and and you know, I I just remember being in Baltimore, like you know, Baltimore having like a really big club scene, but like a lot mm-hmm. of like the the ghetto house would be mixed in with the Baltimore club because it's kind of the same energy, you know, same kind of like like uh, like neighborhoods things like that, and you know, I so and you know also to Jersey and Brick Bandits and all those guys and 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 you know the Philly Philly club club dudes and and, and whatnot. Um, and you know it's, it's really interesting, right? Because Drake will like you know mix them, mix them in, or sample them, or you know Beyonce will sample them, or you know like Uzi Vert will, will like do a thing, or Bad Bunny, and it's like a weird like. On the one hand, it's like oh oh shit, like they're recognizing the music and the culture, but on the other hand, it's kind of like, but I'm not really featured on these tracks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like they're not really like shouting me out, like things like that. They just kind of heard something and they're taking it and run, running with it. Um, so I, you know, I I think with with, uh, with Dion, I I, I just kind of I, I you know again, hope he he gets his flowers. Um, you know, actively working. Uh, a lot of those tracks are just classic. You hear them <laughs> all the time. I remember yeah. like. <laughs> Just playing ghetto house at work to freak out coworkers and shit, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how it kind of fix culture, you know. But um, I, I just really kind of hope that more people kind of like, you know, if you incorporate these sounds into like your works, right? If you sample them, please give a shout out, like you know, like the founders, and then also to make sure they're compensated, right? Give them writing credits, give them, you know, all the things they need. Um, if you're making book a million them. dollars, yeah, book them as openers. Um, you know, because yeah, it's like like we're just getting to a point where all these dudes are getting older. Obviously, they're influencing the culture. Um, but they're passing away and, and like, you know, some of those legacies are kind of like passing away as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I guess on some lighter notes, um, there's been a lot of rumors. There's been a lot of like, uh, not really rumors per se, but we, we, all, we, all, we all remember how, where were you when Ticketmaster crashed the Taylor Swift shows? I remember <laughs> I was at home. It was a Tuesday. I was violently clicking on my laptop. Nothing was happening. I was cried, distraught, went to the streets. It was a horrible time. But um, not joking. Um, basically, what's been a good bad thing is with the Taylor Swift fiasco, with the Bruce Springsteen fiasco. I believe it was the same summer or the year before with the Bad Bunny fiasco. You know, as we've kind of become more we outside, shows have become more popular. Um, there's been pent up, pent up demand on both sides. Me and Son have talked a lot about how that that, impl- uh, that implicates a lot of artists as far as monetary is concerned about their struggles. You know, things things. At the end of the day, live music is a lot of money involved and. As we've kind of pointed out, a lot of it isn't going to the right people on both sides of the transaction. So long story short, Politico kind of put out a little thing where apparently the Department of Justice is actually going to go after um, Live Nation slash Ticketmaster. 
Um, it's a little bittersweet because arguably this is not a new issue. This is an issue where you had superstars in the 90s pointing out how terrible it was. This is an issue where they were also under FCC regulation where they had to merger and they made all these back deals and said it'd be on the up and up. And obviously it hasn't. You know, I I, I was, I like many of us, was, was trying to buy tickets for Beyonce. I was trying to buy shows that are playing locally. And I am, as usual, like everybody else, shocked about when I buy a ticket and suddenly it's up by like 30%. Or when those shows sell out immediately. I was trying to see a show, Queens of the Stone Age, uh, Forest Hill Stadium, sign in the second it was on sale. There were no general admission tickets there available. How is that possible? I, that was a pre-sale. That was, I went to the, the general admission. To a certain extent, you kind of see like the, 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 the if, if it's all about the invisible hand of the market, there is no invisible hand of the market here. It's a whole bunch of fat guys in the back room smoking cigars. So ideally, even though, you know, a lot of these things are quote unquote unofficial, um, I know the FCC kind of lost something against Microsoft because, again, it's Microsoft. Surprise, surprise. I do think that at the end of the day, this is a good thing. I'm hoping that because it's bipartisan, it'll kind of go through because ultimately, and we've discussed this ad nauseum, we got to do something about live music. It's, it's really fucked up where, you know, to a certain extent, streaming is fucked up, capital F. But you figure that, hey, as an artist, I should be able to kind of show up <laughs> with my gear, set up and make some money. As a fan, I should be able to go pay somebody, you know, the venue some money, walk inside and experience this. And a lot of this shit in between is really fucked up as how it's gotten out of hand. So hoping, hopefully this will kind of settle a lot of that at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of pessimistic about this. I feel like, yeah, I don't me know. Me too, honestly. <laughs> like the, the Department of Justice has tried with a couple other things and just kind of failed, like the Microsoft thing and... I don't know, man. Like, 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 like the Ticketmaster lawyers out here. <laughs> Ticketmaster get the best lawyers, you know. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm very pessimistic. I, I, I do feel like, you know, and it's sad, right? It, it, it's you know, Ticketmaster controls like eighty percent of the live music ticketing. It's a branch of Live Nation, so they own like the venues and they own the ticketing, and it's just like this crazy. Like if you want to tour, it, like you know they have these crazy contracts as well, where you have to book Live Nation venues, or if you don't, you can't book another venue within like a seventy mile radius, or it's like su- something super crazy around like like that. So I don't know. Like it, it, it's just very like sad to kind of see where it's gone. Um, I do hope the government has some teeth to kind of make some things happen. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, Ticketmaster and Live Nation shouldn't be the same thing, right? You shouldn't have, Agreed. like, shouldn't manage the artists, own the venue, own the ticketing, <laughs> own the merch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like it, it, it should, you know, there just needs to be more competition in the market. I mean, now if you want to see like a Drake, Beyonce, whatever, like the cheapest ticket is like two or three hundred dollars, right? For like uh. nosebleed, you know, and and you know they also own the resale, right? So like all the tickets go like, um, like are sold out, but then they're like, oh well, you can buy a resale ticket for like fifty percent more. <laughs> Ticketmaster <laughs> owns that too, <laughs> so I it's just you know. Yeah, something has to happen. I, I just don't know if I'm I'm confident in the that the government can pull it off. But um, you know, look, if you are a Taylor Swift fan, 
He <laughs> Swifties, you know, and, and you know, and, and this is real talk, right? Like, like I feel like Taylor Swift can tell her fans, Beyonce, you know, can tell her fans, like, yo, like, you know, like call your senator, show up in Washington, and maybe some shit will get done. But even then, I, I just don't know, like, uh, you go know, ki- go kidnap I, McDonald's, <laughs> McConnell, go kidnap him. <laughs> Mary Taylor Green, AOC, I mean, hold the kids hostage. McConnell's kind of kidnapping himself right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and our next topic, new music. New music. New music. We're going to discuss a young Brit, a young, a young troubadour. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind Which, of a troubadour, though. Yeah, no, He's okay. a troubadour. Which uh, a small fact is, it's a. Uh, I, I would say that me and someone having a discussion about this young, this young gentleman, this young troubadour, was why we had the idea for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to King Cruel. Yeah, shout out to King Cruel. This is all you. I'll, I'll, I'll come in from the back end. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, um, King Cruel just dropped an album this year uh, called Space Heavy. And I, he dropped the album, was it 2021 or something, or 2020 called Man Alive, which yeah. I don't remember much of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, his first two albums are classics to me. The Ooze and Six Feet Below the Moon um, are, like, like, two classics, in my opinion. You know, he's always done, like, kind of jazz slash punk slash, like, post-punk um, it's very British. It's very kind of like melancholy and and sad. And you know he's very much like sad about the world, and he's lonely and anxious. <laughs> you know, troubadour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on this album, he's sad, lonely, anxious, and also a baby daddy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so. It's really interesting because I mean I, I couldn't find any information. Um, I guess like he does have a kid. Um, he, kid was born like a year or two ago, um, and it, I guess it's like not really defined if he's still with like the mother of the child. Um, doesn't seem like it, but you know I, I I don't know. But there's a lot of like I love my kid. My kid is great, and a lot of like. Like, I'm so distant from you, my lover. <laughs> and this album. The man is, he's, he's multitudes. <laughs> and sometimes it's the same song, right? Sometimes it's like first verse is like, I'm so distant from you, my lover. And then like, you know, and then the second verse is like, I love my kid. <laughs> um, but like the, the, the most romantic, you know, not romantic, like the, the you know, the the one beautiful thing that a father can say to to his daughter, uh, this one line: "I see you, my same eyes reflect the world that falls apart." I mean, you know, that's oh. a lullaby right there. <laughs> oh. But that's what you get with the King Cruel, you know. <laughs> Dark Fatherhood, lullabies. Yeah, fatherhood has not changed him. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, and then like I mean, I guess like the only change, like sound sound wise, it's a little bit less jazzy, a little bit more rock influence. Um, yeah, it's more chords, like it, you know, a little bit more. I wouldn't say pop is not the right word, but it, it's a little bit fuller in production. Um, but I think outside of that, like the the same dude is there. 
Yeah, no, it's it's. I think as a production and a songwriting, it kind of got me the most with this one, where it felt like going back to ideas like you know, like the post punk song song sounded like a post punk song. The jazz song sounded very jazzy. This one kind of collapses it all. So it's not to say it's not as adventurous, but it's definitely kind of like you said, more like I guess I don't know how to. Describe, I, I could say rock, but it's, it's not going to be rock music like some of his rockier stuff. But whatever the core King Cruel sound is, he's really hyper focused on that. And he's not really kind of going out of that, going out of the circles on that, which I don't think is a bad thing per se. Um, I think going back to your point about the ooze and uh, versus uh, Man Alive. So it felt like the ooze was him experimenting with all these different genres, yeah. but making it very much King Cruel. With the ooze, it felt like almost like level left. I mean, with the Man Alive, it felt like leftover tracks from the ooze. Yeah. We're still doing the same exact thing, but it felt a little bit further removed from what the King Cruel sound is, quote unquote. This one is kind of like more hyper focused. So in a weird way, I would say it's this least adventurous, but also the most king cool of all the albums. So I think it's a, I think it, I actually like that as far as concerned. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I always like King Cruel. I like what he's doing. It sounds singular. It sounds focused here. You know, I just think it's another great record. End of the day, what I always liked about him is the fact of where even though he's somebody, and going back to the Troubadour joke we were saying before, he's somebody where he could very easily be a corny singer-songwriter. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He could definitely be Tom Mish. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, sorry. <laughs> True. <laughs> sorry. I like Tom Mish, though. <laughs> so, so do I. But, you know, kind of calls me a spade. And the thing is, he's somebody where he's always approached it, and I don't even want to say necessarily like punk, but definitely yeah. punk and hip-hop. Yeah, like there's a way of his approach that was always on a very DIY and something where it de definitely felt a little bit off rails. I won't say necessarily quote unquote dangerous, but more experimental. And that's something I always liked about him. And I always thought that was a really good thing about him. I, I think that even right now, it's cool because, again, even though we called him a troubadour and we could identify what he's doing musically, like a King Cool track. I can recognize in like two seconds. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's able to kind of etch that world and it's 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 rarity you have an artist just like that. And like, you know, for me, I still think the ooze and is still number one. Like that's my favorite King Cool album, but this is still really good. And it's still very listenable. And, that, yeah. and that's the idea is the fact of where I like the fact of like he exists in this world where he's able to kind of go wherever his imagination kind of takes him. And he's got a very singular sound. Like I'm not gonna call him necessarily necessarily Bjork. But like I said, this is a guy where, you know, at the end of the day, singer songwriter for guitar. Like it could be it, we we've heard this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So the fact that he's able to etch this out and kind of be like almost this this weird figure, like I said, it's this only X amount of like singer songwriters that really kind of like have a distinct sound, like your Tom Waits, you know, and I think that King Cruel is one of the few that has it. And yeah, this is another good record. There's no real complaints on my end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hmm? And uh, yeah, I guess I'll take this one actually. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm curious. So we're trading. We're doing a little tennis here. So I'm I'm driving back and forth. You know, I go I hop into the podcast notes, and I see my man Stone is like, "Hey, <laughs> check out this woman named Saya Gray." So you know, I'm just like, "All right, cool. Let me let me go give this you know Saya Gray probably a little maybe some little R&B. You know, maybe a little vagabond." You know, maybe a little experimental <laughs> Lorraine, you know, a little, little jazzy. You know, I'm here driving around, you know, doing a little errands with me and my loved ones. And then uh, I, I, right off the gate, man, Aphex fucking twin. <laughs> Aphex fucking twin. Lions of K. You know what I'm saying? We're in the pub somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's three in the morning. 
We got multiple stamps, you know, all that's from the various clubs, bars, and a black eye. We don't know how we got there. Um, her album is called Quirty. Um, long story short, because um, again, I was so excited by this, so I had to like dig a little deeper. Um, Singer songwriter, um, definitely more traditional. Somebody who was a little more like you know, she's known for experimental stuff. Uh, her previous album is a lot more relaxed, a lot more you know, there might be a little bit of vocal flair. I mean, I'm not gonna say Bon Iver per se, but you know, she might do a little something. You might a little modulation in the voice. There might be a, a, a tad noise line in the background, but it definitely skewered more towards bedroom pop. Mm. This album yeah. definitely does not score yeah. <laughs> towards bedroom pop. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's at, at the end of the day, it's it's more like an EP, like twenty minutes long, and you know, it's it's something where you can kind of tell where you know, going back to the idea, or bringing it back to the King Cruel, is like you know, the stereotype of a single songwriter of a guitar is very set in stone. So she's somebody where even listening to her old stuff, I was oh, this is very impressive. But obviously, I've also heard it a thousand times before. I think her playing for extreme sounds, extreme production, sometimes it's a guitar, sometimes it's a piano, sometimes it sounds like a, 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 a very traditional woman singing, sometimes it sounds like a robot from the machine, is just like almost the idea of, like, I, could, I could imagine of her kind of almost rebasing her songs in time. Yeah. And I think that for her to do that is great, but most importantly, there's melodies there. Like, again, I fuck with Aphex Twin hard, Aphex Twin be a little... <laughs> A little lean on the melodies at times. <laughs> <laughs> High on the chaos, melodies low. And not to say that he doesn't have some beautiful piano only pieces. You know, not this, not no, no this to Aphex Twin. <laughs> but it's the idea of where, you know, generally you have a lot of artists that follow, follow experiment experimentation for experimentation's sake. Yeah. And definitely this is experiment, experimental, but it's not the end and be all. Yeah. There's some good songs here. It's her basically, in my mind, you know, perhaps kind of going in there, working something out on piano, working something on guitar, saving it. These are quality and saying, hey, how can I stress this song concept to the nth degree? And sometimes it might be chaos. Sometimes it might be different voices. Sometimes it might just be like a pretty melodic line where it's clean. And it's cool to kind of hear somebody kind of tackle it where, again, her, her you know, obviously she's not a big artist, but her lane is, is set in stone. You know, she'll be yeah. playing fucking, you know, there's, there's, she'll be opening up for fucking like Boy Genius and like, you know, there's, there's soccer mommy and, you know, there's definitely a path here. And for her to kind of go nuts and kind of throw like a wrench in it, I just found really, really fascinating. So thank you, Stone. Yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah, no, this is a very fascinating EP. Um, I, I definitely found um, like, I, I, I just, it's really interesting too, like going her her background, like, you know, she worked with Daniel Caesar and Will Smith and like things like that. So like, you know, she has the musical chops and like, yeah, like her earlier stuff is like a little bit more maybe a little bit more on those, on, on those lines. Um, but you know, it, it's really interesting. I forgot, like one of my musician, like, like friends told me a long time ago, it's like, you know, people who do ex- experimental, but don't have the fundamentals or basis of music <laughs> or it's like experimental for experimental sake. And they just like throw different like sounds out there. Um, yeah. but they don't have that foundation and musical theory. Um, you know, that's when like, it really doesn't work. Right. It just becomes noise. Right. Whereas like people who like probably start off with those foundations and music theory, but then do experimental stuff, you can kind of tell like there's a still a flow with it. There's still like a, you know, like it's based in 
like musical some grounding some musical grounding right so and i feel like this is the latter right you know it definitely is experimental it's definitely some apex twin it's definitely you know you can tell like she's playing with her vocals and stuff and pitching it up and down and throwing it in like different filters and stuff and, and and things like that but it's still kind of based in that grounding of musical theory so it doesn't feel like like you know revolting if, if that makes any sense right um like there'll, there'll be like a melodic thing and then like a stop and then get thrashing guitars but it's just like it just kind of feels like it all kind of works together and I, you know it's just like really refreshing it's like a really refreshing sound and I'm really excited to kind of see where she goes with it. You know, I, I do wonder if this is like her next thing. Um, and, or if this is just like a, you know, it's like, Hey, this is my EP. I'm just like messing around in the studio, you know, um, let me just get some streams off of it. Like we shall see. But, um, you know, I, I thought it was just really interesting, really intriguing. Um, and it's just like so great to kind of see some of that stuff go come together. So uh, there's so much stuff on SoundCloud that just so like, just it's one note right and i feel like this just kind of stands out um in terms of just like how like everything like all the things he's playing around with just it just it's cohesive yeah no i agree like i love the point about how you know it's very easy to kind of just throw experimental stuff out there but if you aren't doing the basics at the end of the day it just kind of sounds just random like anybody could do kind of random you know a kid could kind of put in front of a piano kind of stamp out there and it's the idea of kind of finding like the the base of it the basics of it what's also weird about the album is it's very joyful it could have easily been very weird and dark and you know like it reminded me a lot of arca who i actually like a lot i like her a lot um and I remember a lot of her earlier stuff was definitely like like sinisterish and not yeah. in, a, in a necessarily a menacing way. Yeah. But it was very like, you know, a lot of minor chords, a lot of minor keys. What's weird about this is that again, it, it definitely does not stay in one tone per se, but it's definitely like an excitement there. You yeah. Know? And and that's what's kind of fascinating where it sounds like she's excited to be doing all this weird shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's it was definitely a revelation. You know, I'm going to only beef, honestly, the fact that it's like only like 20 minutes long. So I guess maybe she, she considers it an EP. I'm not too sure. But I'm hoping she kind of stays in this vein. I, I just thought it was a really, like, that's a really good listen. And like I said, I kind of walked in, you know, thinking it's going to be something a little more jazzy, more R&B, more chill. And then it was just this cacophony of sound, but like really well made, really joyous, really, really like this in- interesting. And, and I could just tell because, you know, I'm driving around for my sister who's also a DJ. She's like, hey, what's that? You know, it stands out. And like, yeah. You know, a lot of records don't really stand out because it kind of just ends up being, being this mishmash of sound, which is a preview for our next fucking podcast on Travis Scott. <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know. With Travis Scott, Travis will be on the. No, he won't. <laughs> An AI Travis will be on the, on the, on the, on the podcast. <laughs> An AI Travis is sound more exciting rapping. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Hmm. <laughs> But anyway, like I said, it, it was just a revelation hearing somebody who was just like, yo, I've got all this gear. I've got all this time. Let's, let's be creative. Let's make some shit. Let's not just make content for the algorithm. And like I said, it was just infectious. And um, she's definitely on my radar. I'm hoping that she'll kind of build on this, kind of make a bigger piece. And I'm hoping like, like this is it. I'm hoping she's like, yo, I enjoy doing this shit. You know, definitely the singer songwriter, the guitarist, you know, that pays the bill for helping all these artists kind of see their vision. I want to get this shit as weird as possible moving forward. So, you know, props to her. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's about it. And it's once again the end of the podcast. 
We love y'all. You know, saying happy you're listening. All we could say is basically stay cool out there, stay hydrated, drink your water, drink your fluids, stay in the shade, stay in air conditioning if you can. You know, what I'm saying energy efficient air conditioning. You know, we do care about CO two emissions. Mm, true. But uh, but yeah, that's all. You know, stay safe. You know, stay woke, and not in that sense, but in the value sense. And we see you all next time. Peace. Peace.